All right. Well, welcome. Welcome to Wednesday Night Live. Um, Kai Alpha here at Ottawa University. Just pulling up my slides really quick. This way we can follow along together and I'm not, you know, speaking something that doesn't exist on the screen behind me because that's always awkward. Now, those of you that were here last week, we kind of announced the one thing that I need to talk to you again about. Um, in a few weeks, uh, we have fall retreat. This is Kansas fall retreat. This is all of Kansas Chi Alpha, uh, which is currently five schools. I hope, I think that's all of them, but KU, K-State, Wichita State, Washburn, and ourselves. Okay, um, students from all, all five of those universities will be there, um, and you will not want to miss it. It is 75 doll hairs. Um, also worth it, but that includes your lodging for the weekend, and it includes your food for the weekend, beginning with late night snack slash dinner slash whatever you want to call it, Friday night, um, plus there's always, okay, K-State is usually involved um, when it comes to planning the food. I, that may be wrong this year, but when K-State is involved in planning the food, you'll eat, okay? You won't starve. There will be snacks. Like, if you're the snacking person, maybe this isn't the trip for you because it's a temptation that you'll fall into because there's lots of snacking. Um, but it's just for a weekend. It's all cool. Um, but do come to this. It is $75. If you are interested in this, in our group me, there is a, um, a Google form, a Google document that you need to click on, and you need to fill that form out. If you fill that form out, you owe Auto University Chi Alpha $75. Whether or not you go... Okay? Don't fill that form out unless you're wanting to go, or you're like, you know what, I just want to bless Auto University Chi Alpha, I'm going to give them $75, because um, that's what we're going to have to pay. If you fill out the form, we're going to have to pay for you, because they're going to plan for you. Make sense? Uh, I do know that there's some stuff going on that weekend, um, that Friday evening, but if you want to come late Friday evening, it is an hour and a half-ish from here. We did the math, like hour and 20, something like that from here. It's not very far at White Memorial Camp. Um, if you like look up White Memorial Camp, you're like, oh, there's a rock wall and archery and all this cool stuff. None of that's there, okay? Uh, that, that's, not in, that's not available to you. Uh, they do have Gaga Ball. They've got a volleyball, and there's lots of places to walk. Um, also, those of you who have, within the last however long it's been, have expressed a desire to follow Jesus and have expressed a desire to follow him in water baptism, you will have that opportunity at fall retreat if that's something that you are interested in doing. If that's something you haven't done um, or you haven't done since you've made a, um, an adult commitment, congratulations, you're all adults. If that's a news for you, um, welcome. Welcome to adulthood. Um, also, never mind, we won't go down that road. But tonight we're going to actually talk about a really, 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 really scary word. Evangelism. Hooray! So evangelism kind of invokes this idea that scares a lot of people. This idea that you've got to get up on a soapbox somewhere or a milk crate and you've got to have a, a bullhorn and you've got to shout at people and let them know that they're going to hell for whatever reason it is. I know that while we were at uh, when we were on campus uh, with KU Chi Alpha, there was a, a friend of ours who I won't say because he's a friend because I have to say he's a friend because he's created in the image of God, which means I need to be careful with how I speak about him. But he and his family come all the stinking time. They go around the United States, different campuses, and they get up and they, I'm using air quotes on purpose, they preach the gospel. The problem is they actually use scripture 
That's not the problem. The problem is that God's promise that the word does not return void is what the problem is with my heart. Because I want to get up and say, just shut up, you're doing more harm than good. At least because that's how I feel. But because there's scripture involved, it doesn't return void. And God actually proved this one time. And that's a whole other story, which I will tell another time. But evangelism kind of has this idea of something that may be scary. Or maybe you've had a pastor or you've had a leader or something tell you that, hey, we're going to go evangelize today. And you immediately thought, I don't know what that means. But it kind of sounds scary. Am I going to have to talk to people about Jesus? Because that can be nerve-wracking for some people. Using this word evangelism, I can remember a long, long, long time ago, I still remember it was an intersection in the plaza down like in Kansas City, like not Ottawa, but in Kansas City, like so busy during the holidays, a dude literally standing on top of a milk crate in the center of an intersection with a bullhorn. Um, I don't have a clue what he was shouting, other than he was shouting things like repent or you're going to hell kind of stuff like that, Um, which here's the fun thing. It's actually true. That's <laughs> um, <sighs> uncomfortable. Um, but unless we repent, yes. So evangelism, though, is a scary, weird word. We think, oh, no, we have to do something that might feel uncomfortable. And maybe you've experienced this if you've ever gone on a mission trip. I remember I went on a mission trip uh, my sophomore year, I think, of high school to Venezuela. This is back when it was a, a <laughs> not ruled by a dictator. Um, I was actually there, fun fact, I was actually in Venezuela on the day he was elected. Um, Super weird. Yeah, so because we were white and American, we were told to stay in a hotel and we flew out two days later. Um, But it was fine then because at the time he was like, hooray, but now, anyway. But even in that, like we got to evangelize-ish. Obviously I I speak muy poquito Spanish. Um, That means very small. Uh, I, I speak very little Spanish. And couldn't get along. Like, I could find the bathroom. I could probably ask for a cup of water. Um, and I can, I can play soccer because um, I could holler for the ball and stuff like that. That's about it. Those, the, and the terms that I learned in Spanish, most of them are inappropriate because I learned it from a bunch of guys from Durango, Mexico that I played soccer with. So most of the terms that I am shouting, I probably don't even know what the words mean. But they're probably something very derogatory. So I don't use them anymore. But this idea of evangelism, we actually had to go out and, like, do human videos, which is, if you don't know what that is, they're terrible. They're awful. They're works of the evil one. Um, that's not entirely true. But these weird, you act out a song. And so the only way we could evangelize is because we knew the song in English. So then we had to act it out based off of the words we knew from English, even though the song was in Spanish for them. It was all weird. It's a thing. Um, it was a thing in the 90s and the early 2000s. Don't worry about it. But it was a way of evangelizing. That always seemed weird to me. But here is uh, the actual truth. Okay, you've, If you've been in Chi Alpha, this is like week six or something like that of the semester. Also, hey, welcome to... Is, I, well, this is like Chi Alpha six of the semester, but week eight or something like that of courses. Um, thank you for coming during finals week for some of you taking eight weeks, eight week courses. Or for those of you in the 16, you know, midweeks, welcome. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for coming to the best 60-minute study break of your week. I'm glad you're here. But if you have been here for any length of time, probably at least every other Chi Alpha, I quote this verse. Almost every time I speak, I, I say something about this verse. Because if you didn't know, Chi Alpha are the Greek letters X and A, which stands for, it's an abbreviation of a verse in 2 Corinthians 5.20, where it says you are Christ ambassadors. Okay, 
So the idea is that we are ambassadors for Jesus, which means, anyway. Uh, so Matthew 28, 19, and 20. If you've never heard this phrase, this is called the Great Commission. This is the last thing Jesus told his disciples to do before he ascended into heaven after his death on the cross and resurrection. And this is something we are not like, this wasn't a suggestion. Jesus did not suggest that we do this. This wasn't a, he probably should. This was, this was a statement, a fact. This is what you do. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. This is the idea of the word evangelism or evangelist or a word consequently found nowhere in scripture. Um, unless there's a mistranslation, that's okay. Therefore, go and make disciples, in my opinion, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the Great Commission. Now, when I was talking, I need to back up just for a second because I said evangelism is not in the Bible. There is an office called an evangelist. Sometimes there's a word that's translated into evangelist, but... Regardless of that, our call is not to go and make converts. Our call is not to do these other things, but to actually go and make disciples. Now, maybe you've heard this idea of evangelism, and all you can think of is like maybe pictures you've seen of like a Billy Graham crusade or something in Africa or Asia or something like that, where there's literally millions of people that are just worshiping Jesus, and they're called evangelism or evangelist crusades or something along those lines. Or maybe you've seen something very similar to that. This is not what I'm asking you to do. So some of you are already freaking out because you're like, I cannot get up in front of people and talk. Some of you are like, I can't get you to stop getting in front and talking. And it's like, sit down and hush for just 60 minutes. That's all I'm asking. Um, And then you're like, no, I want to be on the worship team. Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) That's funny. So even though we have this idea of, of evangelism, and we have this idea of go and make disciples, God is calling us to make disciples. Here's the verse that we're going to use for the next four weeks uh, is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So tonight, we want to talk about and have a conversation about relational evangelism. Or maybe a better way of understanding this is a relational discipleship. Okay? So just for tonight, so we've got these four things, okay, these four places. For tonight, we're going to focus just on the first one, Jerusalem. Okay? Guess what? What Jerusalem means in this particular thing is the people you already know. This can actually be one of the scariest groups of people to talk to. Because they know your stupid stuff. They know that you've sinned. They know, a lot of your closest friends know how far from this book you have strayed. This is the Bible, by the way. Um, the, they know that you don't live up to what this says. They know that you've broken or broken, breaking. They, they know you've, theology major, you know, I don't have to speak English good or, or even gooder than the next person. But <laughs> I'm sorry. 
let's just move on. Okay, so they, they know they know all about you. Like your closest friends, usually your family, your relatives, your closest friends, they know all the junk that's in your lives. If you don't have somebody in your life that knows all of your sins, all of your lows, and all of your highs, you need that person in your life or that person's, those persons, people. You need them in your life. Okay? We'll get to that in just a minute. But Jerusalem is the people that you already know. When, when Jesus was telling this to his disciples, he's actually giving them this idea of here's, here's a small group that I want you to focus on first is Jerusalem. This is the city we're actually in right now. These are the people you know right now. Then Judea. That's like your state um, or the, the, the larger area that is around your city. And then he says Samaria, which is another city that doesn't part of it. So it's this other place that you go. And then he expands that by saying the ends of the earth. But in just for tonight, because we're going to talk about this idea of relation, relational evangelism, we're going to talk about Judea, this idea of having friends and being a witness to people that are around you. Now, How to have an uncomfortable conversation in one easy step. Are you ready? This is how you do it. It's people that you might kind of know, but you don't really know. These are not people that um, oppose a threat to you because they can say, yeah, but that's not how you live. Okay? If, if you want to have a conversation with somebody you barely know or like all you know is recognize and that's it, this is how you do it. Right here, you just go up to him and you say, let me, have I told you about our personal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Now, I did this uh, about a week and a half ago to a guy who I knew was atheist, but I also am good friends with him. So it was a good time because I'm like, hey, have I told you about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And he's like, no, I've never heard of him. And he's atheist. So I said, well, obviously. Um, just kidding. Actually, that's not true. I, 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 it's very true. I, it's exactly what I said to him. Um, but I have a relationship with him, so it's a little bit different. But this is how you have an awkward conversation with the people who are in your Jerusalem. Right now, where you are sitting, where you are living and walking around, this university is your Jerusalem. This is the area, this is the group of people that you know. Some of them you know well, some of them you only recognize, some of them you know them better by their gamer tag. Get off your Xbox. Um, so, <laughs> live. I'm not saying it's bad to be on your Xbox, whatever, or PlayStation. Some of you are like, Xbox and PlayStation? I play computers only. All right, um, <laughs> congratulations. Um, I'm sorry, but get out and actually meet human people. It's exciting. But your Jerusalem is right here. If you are an Ottawa Brave, if you attend Ottawa University or part of even this Chi Alpha, this is your Jerusalem. You are called, correction, not just called, you are required to make disciples of your Jerusalem. Now, this can be an awkward situation if you make it this, if this is the approach that you go for. If your approach is, have I told you about our personal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to the people that you're trying to become friends with, it, it, it may not end well. It may because it begins weird. You don't have to be weird to be a Christian. Now, if 
that was the case. If that's what you thought, let me put, put your mind at ease. It's true. I don't have a, necessarily a Bible verse. I wish there was one that said, if you follow Jesus, don't be weird. I really wish that was in there, but it's not. Um, so we have this wonderful verse in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says this, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people, you are a royal, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Some translations, actually in this point, in this spot right here where it says God's very own possession, it says you are a peculiar people. Fun words. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You don't have to be weird with your friends. Like tomorrow morning, after you're hearing some of the scripture, some of these things we've talked talking about tonight, tomorrow morning, if you're like, oh, I'm so convicted, and your first statement to somebody you kind of know, or even somebody you know really, really well, and it's, have I told you about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Um, I mean, if it works for you, great. Maybe you've got weird friends, and it works that way. But Jesus' call is to make disciples. Disciples is messy. Making disciples is messy. It's walking through difficult circumstances with people. Both their difficult circumstances and your difficult circumstances. Relational evangelism is discipleship. It just is. That's how it works. It's not this big word that says, okay, you need to do a Billy Graham crusade in the middle of Africa and have a million people show up and preach the gospel. Preaching the gospel, obviously it's important. I'm not saying those things are bad. Even the guy standing on the milk crate with a bullhorn in the middle of the plaza, I'm not saying necessarily that those things are bad, but it's definitely a both and sort of thing. Our relationships with the closest people around us are our first ministries. You may be involved in a bunch of other ministries. You may be involved with FCA, or you may be involved with your church, either here or back home, wherever that may be. You may be doing a bunch of other things, but your call to serve God has nothing to do, almost nothing to do, with the group of Christians he's placed you with. It has everything to do with the group of people who don't know Jesus that he has placed you with. Who is on your team that doesn't know Jesus? Who is in your dorm room that doesn't know Jesus? Maybe you're looking at me saying, wait a minute, you just said don't start the conversation. Have I told you about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? I'm telling you, don't, converse, don't start the conversation that way, but start the conversation. Have the conversation. Now this doesn't have to be um, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And then they reply, well, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And you just go back and forth for like an hour until your whole dorm all of a sudden falls in love with Jesus. And now we're all part of Chi Alpha and going to church and whatever else um, that, that, that it means. Okay. Please. Okay. Because that was a real thing, y'all. Okay. Back in when I was in high school, which is before y'all were born. That's weird. Well, that's not true. Uh, I graduated in 2002. So some of you were alive. Exactly. Some, see? See? Yeah. In a few years, I won't be able to use that anymore. But like, this is before you were all born. Okay. Yep. Graduated in 02. Class of 02. 
hooray, whatever. Um, but that's what we would do. We would literally shout, We love Jesus. Yes, we do. We love Jesus. How about you? And the fact that some of you knew that that phrase was is the fact that that horrible thing is still going on inside the church in America. Um, it doesn't, that's not evangelizing. Evangelizing is not wearing your Christian t shirt. I'm not calling you out because I'm wearing a Chi Alpha shirt too, okay? <laughs> that, that's, that's not the only thing. Or wearing a silly David Bowie dangly cross in your left ear, teeny. You weirdo. <laughs> Why the dangly earrings for dudes is coming back, I do not understand. I would rather see you wear Crocs and socks with a, with a mullet than a dangly earring. <laughs> let's, let's be real, though. Crocs, that's a mullet for the foot. Yes, they're, they're comfortable. Anyway. But you are, these are, these are uh, toast wraps. Anyway, so here's, here's, here, <laughs> this is truth. Jesus' greatest impact in ministry wasn't feeding of the 5,000. It wasn't healing the sick or bringing sight to the blind. His greatest impact wasn't even bringing people back from the dead. His greatest impact. Jesus' greatest impact was intentionally spending time with just 12 individuals who would go on and change the world. The 5,000 people that were fed that day when Jesus turned five loaves and two fish into... 12 baskets of leftovers they didn't write the gospels the lepers who were healed on the spot weren't part of the 12 disciples even Lazarus one of Jesus' best friends who he brought back from the dead did not have as big of an impact on the world as the 12 individuals Jesus purposefully spent time with They walked together, they ate together, they were roommates together, they prayed together, they laughed together, they cried together. They went to weddings together. These were people that Jesus did life with. This is why we want you to be part of small groups. This is why we want you to, to have closer knit group of individuals. It's because now you have people in your life that can spur you on into something even better, that can speak life into you. Maybe you feel, you're feeling down or you're feeling like you can't do this thing called the gospel. You can't do this thing called evangelism, that you make it weird, you make it awkward. Then talk to a friend that knows Jesus, that's known Jesus for longer than you have, and say, how do you do this? How do you have this just ability to sit down and talk with people and somehow it ends up with Jesus? in not an awkward way to where at the end of the conversation they're like, I'm not talking to that guy again. But you still have to have the conversation. You are called and commanded by Jesus Christ to have the conversation. If you are known by God, if you claim to love Jesus Christ and say He is your personal Lord and Savior, this is not negotiable. Acts 1.8 is not negotiable. Go into all the world. Yes, start small. 
when we talk about evangelism, it doesn't have to be this massive thing where you're like, oh crap, how in the world am I going to get to Africa? Why is it always Africa? I've never understood that. Um, how am I going to get to Eastern Europe and make these massive things to hundreds and millions of people come to find and follow Jesus? Why would God give you that responsibility if you've not even talked to your roommate about Christ? Your biggest and best ministry, the most impact you can have in ministry are the people you hang out with daily. It is not Chi Alpha. It is not FCA. It is not whatever church you go to in town here. It's not whatever church you go to back home. It's the individuals that you talk with almost every single day. Yes, keep coming to Chi Alpha. Keep going to FCA. Keep going to whatever church that you choose to go to on Sunday. It's a both and sort of thing. Have these conversations with your friends. It doesn't have to be an awkward conversation. It just needs to be a conversation. Evangelism does not exist apart from discipleship. Fun fact. If you don't like the idea of evangelism, do everything you can to evangelize because you cannot do this in heaven. There will be no evangelism in heaven. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. You're already there. You've arrived. Congratulations. This is only something you can do here on earth. And it's to bring other people with you. Not just to bring them to heaven after they die, but so that way they have hope here on earth. Any, any, anybody who is following Jesus is like, man, I just, it's fire insurance. I'm just, I can't, you know, can't wait till the Lord takes me. Your life sucks. Where's the joy and the hope? Read this book. Find me one time one of the disciples of Jesus, or find me one time where, where Paul or Jesus himself were like, well, I can't wait. Can't wait to go to heaven. Read the letters that Paul writes. He is trying to get more and more people to fall in love with Jesus. Sometimes he does it awkwardly. Maybe sometimes you do that awkwardly too. I know we talked about these awkward moments last week. But maybe that tension that's going on needs to happen because you need to embrace it. Just like we talked about last week of this embracing the tension that's going on in some of these awkward conversations. But we have to do it because we're called to do it. You are not a follower of Jesus just because you say you're a follower of Jesus. He tells us, if you love me, do what I command you to do. And this is one of his commands. But it's to love people. I've used this illustration before. If you're over at my house and the stove is on and one of my little girls is running around in the kitchen or whatever and one of them really wants to reach up and touch the top of the stove. If you're like, well, they'll, they'll learn. Um, you're not invited back to my house. But if you're like, you're going to stop them because they're about to do something stupid. That's the idea of love. If you know somebody is headed in a direction that is sending them to eternal damnation, 
that there's no joy or even hope in their life now, and you refuse to say something to them, you do not love them. Discipleship does not exist apart from evangelism. If you are to create disciples, not only do you have to evangelize, but it's got to be the other way around. It's, yes, telling people about Jesus, but it's also, hey, let's sit down. Let's, let's read this together. Let's talk about what's in here. Let's talk about how to not just only find Jesus, but to understand and embrace joy and embrace hope. And how do we share that? Found people find people. If you are a found person, you will find others. That's just how it, how it goes. Love finds a need and meets it. Love finds a need and meets it. Mother Teresa said this, I used to pray that God would feed the hungry or do this or that, but now I pray that he will guide me to do whatever I'm supposed to do, what I can do. I used to pray for answers, but now I pray for strength. I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us and we change things. I don't know if you know the story of Mother Teresa, but it's a phenomenal story and you should look it up because it's pretty fantastic. John 3, 3 says this. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. If you are not in love with Jesus, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, the only reason you go to hell is because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. But your friends and family, the people you know, the people on your team, the people in your dorm are currently living in hell. Or feel that they're living in hell because there's no joy, there's no hope. You are the hope. You are the light. You are the city on the hill. Love finds a need and meets it. So I have a few questions. Do those that know you know that you know Christ? Do those that know you know that you know Christ? I promise I changed that. Apparently I didn't hit save. Are there people in your life that do not know Jesus? Like actually people in your life. Are the people that you are always hanging out with? Um, now it's a little bit easier for those of you who are on sports teams at this university. Because obviously <laughs> um, we could go watch a game in any sport probably. And we can, we can hear the fruit of not loving Jesus. Um, that, that's simple. But I'm talking about the people that you hang out with. This is not me saying you need to surround yourself with people that do not love the Lord. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying you need to find the people that do not love the Lord and make them be with you and have them be around you and your friends that love the Lord. Hey, what are you doing this weekend? Hey, we're going to go play Frisbee golf. I'm, <laughs> don't say, I know you don't love Jesus. You should come with us. Um, that's, that's about as awesome as, hey, have we told you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Uh, don't do it that way, but... That person, that friend that you know that's hurting, hey, we're going to go to Dairy Queen. You want to come with us? This is relational evangelism. Hey, we're going to go to Walmart. We're going to go to, praise the Lord, Torchy's Tacos. Oh, if we're going to Torchy's, I know there's flames all around that place. Those tacos will be in heaven. Um, maybe not the franchise, uh, but those tacos, woo, tacos. Anyway. Are there people in your life that do not know Jesus? This should be an obvious, yes, there are people in my life that don't know Jesus. But are there people that you are with constantly 
not just like your acquaintances, but you would call them friend and don't know Jesus. Who are you talking to this week about Jesus? Now, with this question, take out your phone, take out a pencil or a pen or something, uh, open a note, find it, whatever. And I literally want you right now to write down names of two people. Two people that you, okay, this is not judgment to say they don't know Jesus. This is you understanding that, hey, there's no fruit they don't know Jesus, okay? This is not saying you don't know Jesus, I'm supposed to talk to you this week, okay? Another way to not have a friend anymore, okay? (laughs) Remember this, people wanted to hang out with Jesus. If you're so weird and awkward and uncomfortable all the time that nobody wants to hang out with you, you're reflecting yourself and not Jesus. Hooray. But two people. I want you to write down two people who you are going to talk to this week. Again, this is not the, have I told you about our personal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? This is a, hey, what are you doing Wednesday night? What are you doing Sunday morning? Listen, I don't care if you want to invite them to Chi Alpha or invite them to FCA or Ottawa Bible or Hope Anthem or any number of churches in this town. Whatever church that you go to or whatever thing that you go to where you experience Jesus, that's what I want you to invite them to. This is the example that we have in scripture of people saying, hey, come with me. Come meet this guy. Come with me. Hey, have, have, you, have you checked this out? Have you heard of this? No? Cool. Why don't you come with me this week? That's like the entry point of evangelism. That's saying, hey, you are my friend, and I want you to be with me for something that I think is important. If they say no, guess what? Ask him again next week. If they say no again, guess what I want you to do? Ask him again the next week. Like, well, won't that be annoying? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And that's okay. Until they tell you, please, for the love of God, stop asking me. You ask them. If you begin to be more comfortable, say, hey, if you're involved with a small group, you want to come to my small group, we're going to talk about whatever it is that we're talking about. Do that. This is so simple and yet for some reason we make this overly complicated that if I talk to a friend who doesn't know Jesus about Jesus that I have to lead them in the sinner's prayer in that moment right then and there the sinner's prayer does not exist in scripture Jesus simply says come follow me and people go okay or eh, that's the end of the conversation come follow me okay Let's pray.